0: Good morning again. Good to be together. That's kind of the typical greeting, isn't it? You probably hear that about four times on a Sunday morning. Even more if you talk to other people. But that's okay. It is a good morning. And we are thankful to be together today. I hope you're able to enjoy the previous week as we celebrated Thanksgiving and hopefully had time to spend time with family and friends. It's a blessing that the Lord gives us this kindness of being able to set aside time to be thankful to Him. It's something we should do regularly, but it's good to have specific times for that as well. You know, I was thinking that it's kind of interesting to me that Thanksgiving is a holiday that is nationally observed. I mean, so much of our culture observes Thanksgiving. It's a federal holiday, and so therefore it is observed that way. But, you know, banks are closed, most of the stores are closed, post office so on and so forth. So we have this this cultural observance of thanksgiving, but I wonder how many people understand what it means to be thankful or why we should be thankful or even how to express thanksgiving. It's maybe one of those things that we just do because, oh, good, I get the day off of work or whatever, but do we really understand what it is to be thankful? I think as Christians... We have a unique and maybe singular perspective on Thanksgiving because of what God has done. And so I want to spend the day today, we're going to take a little pause from Matthew, and we are going to talk about a biblical theology of Thanksgiving. And I do this in part because as I look around, I just, like I said, I see all these people observing Thanksgiving who have no time for God. They're just doing their life, and yet... The day is off of work, so we're going to go to so-and-so's house for turkey. But what does it actually mean to be thankful? What does the Bible say about Thanksgiving? My main point, or one of them this morning, is that Thanksgiving did not start... When it was declared a national holiday, this was not something that came over with the pilgrims only or during the time of the Reformation or the early church or the apostles or even the coming of Christ. But thanksgiving has been a part of the people of God and their worship from the beginning. Did you know that? That even in the Old Testament, that left part of your Bible there is commands to God's people to be thankful. And there were things set up in the worship and the liturgy of Israel that promoted and prompted thankfulness to God. And so this morning, I'm going to answer the question, or I'm going to seek to get the answer from the Scriptures, how and why should we demonstrate thanksgiving in our lives? I think this is appropriate, not just because of what the calendar tells us, But because as Christians, we always have things to be thankful for. And if we do not understand why we are to be thankful. If it's just kind of like, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, I should be thankful for something, that's not going to cut it. We need to understand the why behind this. So this morning's message is going to be slightly different than we're used to. And I know that's your favorite thing when you come to church and you hear, hey, it's going to be really different today. You're like, ah! No, but it's going to be fine, I promise. It's different in the sense that we are not going to work through one passage of Scripture today. It's normally what we do. We start at the beginning of a book. We work our way all the way through. We're doing that with Matthew right now. But this morning, I'm going to take many different Scriptures in an attempt to show us that Thanksgiving is broad scale. It is all over the Scriptures. And what that is called is a systematic approach The Bible. So, systematic theology, it's a little lesson here, takes all of the information and the data that the Bible says about a certain subject and compiles it into a system, a way of learning. So, that's what we're doing this morning. So, different, but still helpful. And that's the plan for today. So, before we get into the scriptures, let's pray together and ask for the Lord's help. Would you pray with me? Father, we are indeed thankful. Today, having experienced so much goodness from you over the past week, and we can back that up and say months and years and decades as you have continually showed your faithfulness to us. Today, Lord, we do have a desire to learn from your word, to see what you have written down for us, to not only be observers but participants in what your word is saying as we learn Not only why we should be thankful, but how that looks in our lives. And so God, please, come and give us grace. I need grace in the preaching this morning. My brothers and sisters need grace in the hearing. And so we come needy once again to you and ask that you would satisfy us. Just reading Psalm 63 this morning, satisfy us early in the morning. And so we pray that this morning, Lord, that you would be our satisfaction as we learn what it means to be thankful to you. So Father, please come and do this, and in everything that we say and we do, I pray that Jesus Christ would be praised, and it's in his name that we pray, amen, amen. Well, we're going to look at a lot of different passages this morning. You'll notice on the back of your worship folder, we've included the outline, hopefully this helps you follow along a little bit as we move through and keep things organized. I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining every single passage we look at. I'll try to give some context as to why I chose the passages I chose. These aren't just random Bible verses. I didn't do a word search and say, oh, that verse says Thanksgiving or that one says thanks. Let's talk about that. I'm, I'm trying to communicate a picture, a a storyline, a narrative of thanksgiving through the entire Bible. But I'm at least going to give you some context so that we can understand how this relates to what we're trying to do this morning. Also, you probably will not have time to turn to every single passage. You can try, but we're going to move somewhat quickly through these, but I hope you can at least write them down and uh, look at them later if you want to. And we're going to look at a lot of text today, and that's intentional. Intentional. And I want you to be overwhelmed in a good way by the number of texts that we're looking at. I want you to understand that there is so much about thanksgiving in the Bible. The the frequency with which the Bible talks about thanks, thanksgiving, being thankful, thankfulness, all these things is staggering. About 165 times this shows up in the Bible. I did do a word search for that. So we're going to start in the Old Testament. And we are going to work our way through, and I'm going to show you how the Bible demonstrates this kind of thing. So three examples from the Old Testament, three from the life of Jesus, and then we'll spend the rest of our time on the teaching of the Apostle Paul. So, that's the structure. Let's start in the beginning. So, I want to go back to Leviticus chapter 22 is where we're going to start. And again, you can turn there or you can just follow along as we move. In Leviticus, God is instructing the people specifically about the sacrificial system. He's telling them all about what he expects from them, what he requires from them, how they are to approach him in worship, what is necessary to enter his presence, all those kinds of things. And in Leviticus 22, specifically, God is telling the people what it is that makes an offering acceptable, So it's not just that the people should bring an offering, but God is saying, here's what it would take for you to bring me an offering that I will actually accept something that I will be pleased with. It must be pure and unblemished, spotless, all of those things that you probably already know. Well, mixed in with all the other kinds of offerings, we read this, Leviticus 22 and verse 29. And when you sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, you shall sacrifice it so that it may be accepted. So the people are commanded not just to bring sacrifice for guilt and sin and purification and a wave offering and a grain offering and all the other things. They are commanded. So, in other words, this is part of their worship that they would bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. Right from the beginning, as God is instituting how his people are related to him, we see thanksgiving as a part of that. Now, if we fast forward in Israel's history to the time of the kings, we can stop at David. David. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, David has brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. This is a big deal for the people of God because that is the representation of the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. So David brings that back to Jerusalem and he's planning this massive celebration. Big time church service going on here in 1 Chronicles 16. And so... We drop in on this and we see that David is getting everything ready. He's assigning people to do different things at this dedication service. And we read this, 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 4. Then David appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of hosts. So he's appointing specific people in this worship service to offer thanks to God. That's significant. And then he launches into this song of praise that he sings. Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. We read that this morning in Isaiah, right? This is the continual theme of God's people. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name and make his deeds known. Now, I'm not going to take time to read the many psalms of thankfulness as we keep moving through. But over 50 times in the book of Psalms, this theme of thankfulness comes. Now, why is that significant to mention? You say, well, yeah, there's psalms, of course. Well, what were the psalms? It was the songbook for Israel. When they gathered together, what were they to do? They were to sing the psalms and read the psalms. So, that tells us, when they're gathered together, a large part of that was thanksgiving, giving thanks to God for all that he had done. The repeated theme there. So we're not going to read any of those. You can read them. I mean, you get just a couple chapters in and you'll be dealing with thankfulness. But I want to go up now to the time of Nehemiah. I want to go up to the book of Nehemiah. So Ezra and Nehemiah were two of the guys who were in charge of rebuilding Jerusalem after they were deported to Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar comes, he takes everybody away as captives Eventually Babylon gets overtaken and the captives are allowed to return to Jerusalem to rebuild it. So Nehemiah and Ezra start to rebuild the city but they also start to rebuild the temple. And we saw this in Haggai and Zechariah when we preached to the minor prophets last year. So we see that not only the city gets rebuilt but the temple is rebuilt under these two men. And when the temple is completed they start assigning tasks. Okay, it's kind of like when When we moved into the church, all of a sudden there was a bunch of stuff to do and we needed people to do it, right? In a similar way, the temple's done and there are things to be done as well. And so among the things that they prioritize are those who would give thanks. This is very interesting to me. So there's people who handle the money, the sacrifices, the maintenance of the temple, the keeping the oil and the lamps and all of the details of worship are handled. And among those things they prioritize people to give thanks to God. And the reason that I chose this text is just to show you that this is the, all along Israel's history. At every point, there is intentional thanksgiving to God. So, Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 45. So this is the opening of the temple. Here's what's going on. And they perform the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. Isn't that great? There were people whose job it was to sing thanks to God in the temple. So you're walking in, you're like, hey, what do you do here? Oh, I sing thanks. That's awesome, right? To see that this is a very intentional part of the worship of God's people. Now, we move into the New Testament and what do we see? We see the theme of thanksgiving increase. It's growing. And I think one of the reasons for that is not because... There was nothing to be thankful for in the Old Testament. There was the works of God, His deliverance, His provision, all of those things. But when we come to the New Testament, thanksgiving becomes this dominant theme. Why? Because the fulfillment has come. Christ has come. And now there is just so much to be thankful for in the redemption of God's people. So, We're going to consider the life of Jesus, I'll give you three things there, and then the teaching of Paul in this matter of thanksgiving. So when we observe the life of Jesus, we see him demonstrate thanksgiving to the Father on many, many occasions. I'm just going to share a few. The first one comes from John chapter 6. Jesus is about to feed the 5,000. He has received the loaves and the fishes from the boy. And so this is where we pick up in John six eleven. Then Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. And you say, well, okay, so that's an example, but what, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. Jesus is God. John, John has proved that out already in his gospel. He is doing these miracles in the very power of God and yet he pauses to thank the father why same reason he does most of the things he does to leave us an example in his humanity Jesus is thankful to the father for providing this and to be a demonstration of his power so Jesus gives thanks even though he is God, he, and this is the mind-blowing thing, and we, this is why Joey and Josh have been doing a good job of telling us about the two natures of Christ in Sunday school, human and divine, but in his divine nature, Jesus is doing these miracles in his own power. Who is he thankful to, himself? No, he is thankful to the Father. And so he demonstrates this by giving public thanks to God. We see another connection between thanksgiving, and I'm going to say, I don't know what the right word would be, testimony or evangelism. This is right before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So John 11 and verse 41, he's standing outside the tomb of Lazarus, and here's what we read, John 11:41. 41. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of those standing around. He was a big crowd of people, remember, at Lazarus' tomb? He says, I say this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus offers public thanksgiving to the Father so that everybody around would know that he came from God and he was who he said he was. So he uses this thanksgiving almost as an apologetic, as a testimony, as a witness to those around him. One more example of thanksgiving from Jesus' life would be, of course, in the thing that we celebrate every Sunday, the institution of the Lord's Supper. And you can read about this in all the different Gospels, but I chose Luke for this. So Luke 22 and 17, these are the words we hear every week as we come to the table. And what I really hope and pray for is that we do not ever lose the significance of what Jesus is saying. Not just in the institution of the supper. Not just that he's starting this thing we call communion. But in the humble posture of his heart. As he gives thanks to the Father for what they are about to receive. Listen here, Luke 22 and verse 17. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this. Divided among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May we never lose the wonder of a humble Jesus who could have made the best bread they had ever tasted just by snapping his fingers. But he takes what is given, he gives thanks to God, and he demonstrates this humble posture of his heart as he institutes something that will last until he comes. Isn't that great? The thankfulness of Jesus is incredible. So, We saw thanksgiving in Israel's history. Thanksgiving demonstrated in Jesus' life. And last, let's look at thanksgiving in the writings of the Apostle Paul. And all the texts that we're going to look at come from Paul. That is not to say that none of the other New Testament writers are thankful. Of course, they all are. But thanksgiving seems to be a dominant theme in Paul's writing. And I think this is because The grace of God is a dominant theme in Paul's writing. And Paul understands, as we're going to see in a moment, that thanksgiving is a response to something that has been done, a work or a grace of God. Therefore, it stands to reason that thanksgiving would be a major emphasis in the writings of Paul because grace is a major emphasis in the writings of Paul. Now, there are so many texts that we could have talked about, but I tried to weed through them and get the most pertinent ones. And so I've broken up Paul's writings into five categories. You can see this on the back of your bulletin. So let's take a survey of Paul's letters and see five different ways that thanksgiving is to be given. First, thanksgiving is to be given to God. And I would say primarily. Given to God primarily. 2 Corinthians 9 Verse 11, Paul is instructing the church about generosity, about grace-fueled giving rather than just being bound by the law to give. And in the middle of this conversation, he says this, 2 Corinthians 9, 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not just supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So what the people are doing through their generosity is not just meeting a need on a horizontal level, but it is producing thanksgiving as Paul and the other people with him receive this gift and are thankful. He says, overflows in many thanksgivings to God thanksgiving to God. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul is encouraging the churches there in Ephesus to stay faithful, to be sober-minded, to walk in wisdom, and he includes this instruction. This is Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of those texts that we get this. You ever wonder why do we pray to the Father, in the name of Jesus, because that's the pattern all over the New Testament. That thanks is primarily given to God in the name of Jesus Christ the Son, enabled by the Spirit. We pray Trinitarian prayers. That's not the main point. First Corinthians 15, Paul has just got done talking about the resurrection and all the hope that it brings for the Christian. The end of the chapter, 1556 the sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over again in the New Testament, we see that thanksgiving is primarily to be given to God, which is why I put it first in this list. All the other ones are not necessarily in order, but I thought it's good to say primarily, Christian, our thankfulness is directed to God. And we'll see why that is as we move on. Second, in his writing, Paul often expresses thankfulness for others. Now, notice I did not say to others. (laughs) Paul does not thank anyone specifically in all of his letters. Did you know that? Rather, he gives thanks to God for other people. Let me give you a few examples of this. Romans 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. First Thessalonians 1 verse two. We give thanks to God always for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. Ephesians 1:16. "I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, Paul is not ungrateful. <laughs> he is not a jerk who refuses to thank his ministry partners directly for their contributions, for their prayers, for their support of his work. But he is so overwhelmed at the truth that it is God who is at work within us. Within him, within those churches, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Remember that from Philippians chapter 2. He's so overwhelmed with the truth that everything that happens is fueled by the power of God that he thanks God for them. You follow that? It's not wrong to thank people. We should thank people, and Paul definitely did. But he is setting a pattern for us to acknowledge that thanksgiving goes primarily to God. And as we experience the grace of God in other people, we praise God for his work in them. It's all over Paul's writing. Third, we see in the writing of Paul that Thanksgiving is to be made publicly. Thanksgiving is to be made publicly. It's not something that is meant to be private only. but It's something that should be shared. And of course, we specifically mean in the context of a local church church. Body. So I have two texts to read here. They both relate to the context of corporate worship. First one comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Now, this entire section of 1 Timothy is devoted to the instruction of what to do when they gather together for worship. Okay? It has the roles of men and women in the worship service. It has the qualifications for elders and deacons. And Paul says, by way of first importance, when you gather together, give thanks to God. It should be a public thing that we thank God. At Grace, we try to do this a number of different ways. Josh often does this, I think every Sunday. As we come and he calls us to worship, thanking God for what he has done and then responding in worship. This happens in the exhortations. This happens when we come to the table. We want to be a people who publicly thank God for everything that he has done. Second text, Colossians 3 and verse 15. Again, this is in the context of the church gathered together. Paul says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, as you are gathered together, whether in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. Three times in three verses... Paul tells them, give thanks, publicly. When you gather together, give thanks. This is something that I want our church to be marked by, is our thanksgiving to the Lord. Fourth, thanksgiving is to be given continually. These are getting harder as we go, aren't they? <laughs> thanksgiving is to be given continually. 1 Thessalonians two thirteen. And we also thank God constantly for this, Paul says. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Now this is in the form of a command, not an example. First Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1, verse 3, I thank God who I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. Now, because we rightly think of thanksgiving as a response to something or someone, and we're going to see that next, it can be really difficult at times to maintain a continuous attitude of Thanksgiving. No amens to that one, huh? Isn't it? It is really hard. Just for me, it is really hard to be thankful continually. Despite all of the blessings that God has given us, we can always find that one thing to grumble about. That one thing to distract us from having an attitude of thanksgiving. That one person, that one circumstance, that one illness, that one distraction, whatever it is, it is so hard for me to be continuously thankful. It happened this week. In a terrible irony of preaching on thanksgiving, I found myself just grumbling about the dumbest things. And yet the call of the Bible is for us to have a thankful heart in all circumstances. Yes, sometimes life is really hard. Sometimes things are really unfair. But the Scriptures call us to be thankful in these moments because it is then more than ever than we need thankful hearts. Paul knew this, which is why he modeled continual thankfulness in his life and in his teaching. And maybe this is a good point. I wanted to make a connection at some point between thanksgiving and contentedness. I think there's a really strong relationship between being thankful and being content. Paul talked about this in Philippians chapter 4 when he says, I've learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. And it's actually a pretty simple concept. If we are content with what God has supplied to us in the moment, if we're not grumbling about what we don't have or what God hasn't given to us and rather focus our energy on being thankful for what he has given us in the moment, it will become easier and easier to find thankfulness in every situation. Now, as a concept, yeah, that sounds easy, but what about reality? It's good to know things conceptually or as an idea. But when you are in the middle of it, concepts don't do you much good. We need to know how do we do this. I think we do it by committing ourselves to obeying the scriptures and trusting God to enable us by his spirit to be a thankful, content people. So here's how this works. The Bible tells us what we need to do. We just read it in 1 Thessalonians 5.8, give thanks in all circumstances. How in the world can you do that? Well, you can't, and I can't, unless the Spirit of God motivates you to be a contented, thankful person. So I think this connection here is so helpful for us to understand that if we are satisfied with what God has given us, If we are content with our station of life, it is easy to find things to be thankful for. We just don't like to do it. But the connection here is so strong. So, if we are to give thanks in every situation, then we need to learn what Paul learned to be content in every situation. Content with the home that God has given us. Content with the employment and the income level that God has given us. Content with the relationships God has given you. Content with the unanswered question or the repeated failure or the pain or whatever it is, God knows what He's doing in your life. So if we are to be a people who are thankful continually, I'm saying we need to be content continually. And without the enabling of the Spirit of God course we will have no progress here but with his help we can make strides we can work towards being a thankful people so thanksgiving is given to God primarily it's given for other people it is given in public given continually lastly we see in Paul's writing that thanksgiving is given in response to the grace or the work of God now I have three texts I'm going to read here and I want you to see, as I read these, if you can identify what it is that Paul is thankful for. So I'm saying that gratitude, thanksgiving, is a response to something God has done. And so if that's the case, listen and see if you can figure out what it is in each of these texts that Paul is thankful for. First one, second Thessalonians, chapter 2 and verse 13. Paul says this, but we always ought to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because, that's a big hint, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. But we thank God always for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you. What's the work that prompts thankfulness here in Paul? It's election. It's the grace of God extended to undeserved sinners to save them from their sin, to call them to himself. 1 Corinthians 1.4, Paul says, I give thanks to my God always for you because the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. What is it there? Thanksgiving is given to God because he extended grace to the Corinthians and saved them. Colossians one. This text was read for us on Wednesday night at the Thanksgiving Eve service. Colossians 1 and verse 11, Paul is telling the Colossian believers how he prays for them. And we jump into the middle of his prayer here in verse 11. When he asks that they might be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of saints of light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Are you noticing the pattern here? What is it in each of these texts that prompts Paul's thankfulness? It is the grace of God extended in salvation. Every time. Colossians, he just says it. Giving thanks to the Father who has, what does he say, qualified us, rescued us from sin, transferred us into the kingdom of light, and given us redemption, which he calls the forgiveness of sins. All of these things are the work of God's grace, and they are all things that in Paul's heart prompted thanksgiving. And it should be the same for you and I that as we observe the grace of god at work in us and in the people around us it should produce thanksgiving to god everything god does by his grace are the very things that produce thanksgiving i just want us to i want us to see that i want us to be a thankful people so from the inception of god's people and Through the history of redemption, and David, and the kings, and Nehemiah, and on through Jesus' life and ministry, and the apostles, thanksgiving has been a primary response of God's people to him. So that's the what and the how. We've covered a lot of that, but what about the why? Why is it that thanksgiving is such a dominant theme in the Bible? We read the Old Testament, we read the New Testament. Why is there so much emphasis on thanksgiving? Well, there's an answer, and it has to do with glory. There's a strong connection between thanksgiving and glory. Can you guys handle one more text? We've been through a lot today. I'm going to take you one more place, and I want you to open here with me so you can see it, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. We're going to see Paul make this connection. He's really, I mean, this text summarizes almost everything that we have seen this morning, but it adds this connection to the glory of God. At this point in chapter 4, Paul is talking about his apostolic ministry and how he has ministered the gospel despite setbacks and suffering and hardship and all these kinds of things, and we read this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. It is all for your sake, that is his ministry, all the work that he's done, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. Stop right there. Isn't that what we just saw? In the rest of Paul's writing, do you see what he says? As grace extends to more and more people, what grace? Well, the grace of God. His empowering grace, his sustaining grace, his saving grace, all of it. As that extends to more and more people, what happens? It may increase thanksgiving. So there's the connection that we already saw throughout all of these texts that we've looked at. Now, let's finish the verse. So as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Well, how does that work? What's the connection here between thanksgiving and glory? As thanksgiving increases, right? So follow follow the pattern. Grace increases, which increases thanksgiving, which apparently increases the glory of God. How do we work those things backward? What's going on here? Here's what's going on. It is the grace of God at work in salvation, in rescue, in saving people. Thanksgiving is the right response to that. And what exactly are we thankful for and to whom are we thankful? We are thankful for the gift of salvation and the grace of God, and we are thankful to God. So all of this thanksgiving finds its culmination in God. And when God receives attention for the work he has done, we call that his glory. The glory of God is just the attention that is drawn to him for his work of grace. That's a really simplistic definition, but you get it. So Paul is making this connection for us here that when God extends grace and people respond in thanksgiving, it glorifies God because it magnifies the grace of God which is exactly what he is at. Everything that God does in the universe is done for the purpose of exposing or magnifying or declaring his own glory. And when his people, you and I, When we are thankful to God for what he has done, it pleases him. It glorifies him. Therefore, I can say the why of thanksgiving is the glory of God. Because that's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. So do you know what this means for us? you know what the application here is? the glory of God in some way is at stake in our thanksgiving. That's a weight to bear. Do you know that? That if we are a grumbling, ungrateful people, God gets no glory from that. Every situation of your life, you have one of two choices. You can either magnify the glory of God. You can draw attention to the work that he has done and glorify him in a heart of thankfulness and gratitude or you can grumble, complain, be dissatisfied and draw attention to what a turd you are being in that moment. And it is the natural inclination of all of our hearts to be selfish, to throw a pity party I want everybody around me to know how unhappy I am. That is so contrary to what the Bible calls us to. And I failed at it this week. And I bet you did too. This is why I say unless the Spirit of God motivates our obedience in this area, we have no hope. But thanks be to God, He has given us His Spirit. He has given us his word. He has given us instruction for how to transform the crummy situations of our life into opportunities to give him thanks and therefore glorify him. Brothers and sisters, may this be the kind of church that is a thanksgiving church. And in the process, may we glorify the Lord for everything that he has done. Let's pray. Oh God, we fall so short of this. And Paul said in Romans 3, we've all sinned and fallen short of your glory, and that's true, but we fall through and fall short at at every turn, at every opportunity. We, We hate to admit that our flesh is as strong as it still is. But God, I pray that through messages like this, through our time in the Word, as we interact with one another, that we would come to understand that it is our, not just our duty, but it is our delight to give back to you the thanksgiving that you are so worthy of. And I I just thank you for this Second Corinthians text that tells us that as grace abounds to more and more people, thanksgiving will also increase and that is to the glory of God. So Father, come and by your Spirit help us to be a thankful people, not just on the fourth Thursday of November, but as we live our lives before you, would you give us the power and the strength to be obedient in this area of thankfulness. So God, we ask for your help, and would you be pleased to make us a thankful people? And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.